The dedication of the temple, the prayer of Solomon, and it's just been quite a occasion, quite a celebration, massive uh, sacrifices, uh, just just extraordinary in every way. Such a significant event, permanent place for the Lord's name to dwell, the place God chose for Himself in Jerusalem, uh, and so just uh, the high point surely of Solomon's career and now the Lord appears to Solomon chapter 9 verses 1 to 9 now it came about when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to do that the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon the Lord said to him I have heard your prayer and your supplication which you have made before me I have consecrated this house which you have built by putting my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised to your father David, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons shall indeed turn away from following me, and shall not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and the house which I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. So Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone who passes by will be astonished and hiss and say, Why has the Lord done th thus to this land and to this house? And they will say, because they forsook, forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and adopted other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this adversity on them. Alright, so here's the Lord appearing to Solomon, just like he had at Gibeon. Remember that appearance? That was famous for what? That's when he called and asked for wisdom. Correct. Now the Lord says, I've heard your prayer, and uh, I've consecrated this house, and my name will be there forever. And, uh, but you, you got two choices. One of them is to do what? Follow me. As who followed him? David. David. You walk like David walked. Integrity of your heart and uprightness. Uh, David's kind of the ideal in kings by which other kings were, were measured. Um, and he will enjoy great blessings as long as he lives a Davidic life. And, and notice the importance of the integrity of his heart. You know, not just external obedience. You know, God's concerned about the heart as well. And, and this, you know, integrity of the heart and obedience are just central to God's relationship. Then he'll establish the throne and uh, things will go well. What if he's unfaithful or his sons are? It will not be a good thing. It will not be. And it would bring about the loss of what? The land, the temple. The land, the temple, and by implication the uh, kingship. So uh, as someone has said, they'll lose the turf, the temple, and the throne. Uh, well, it doesn't start with ta. Well, it starts with the. <laughs> That's lame. And, uh, 
and his uh, the nation would become the uh, butt of international jokes. You know, just become a proverb and a byword among the nations. Everybody hissed when they came past and say, well, "Why has the Lord done thus and this to the, to, to this land, thus to this land and to this house?" And it's because they've abandoned the God and worshipped the other gods. You know, so he's really clear. I mean, you either obey me or you don't. You know, and if you don't, you know, it's bad, really bad for you. If you do, I'll bless you. Why do we make wrong choices when we haven't laid out that clearly? You know, that's just cut and dried. Only one reasonable choice on that one. All right. Questions and comments? So, he did keep the throne, like David did, like through Jesus and everything. Well, it was kind of restored in Jesus. He'd okay. lost it for a good while. Okay, so that's what this is referring to, like... Yeah, okay. I think so. How long did it take him to build the... Seven years, the temple? Yeah, I was just trying to figure out how long it had been since the Lord had appeared to it. Well, yeah, hmm, at least seven. Well, and what about verse the next verse or mm-hmm. uh, nine chapter nine verse ten? Is that that would be the seven plus the thirteen for all the other buildings? So he spent almost twice as long on the other stuff as he did on the temple. Okay, so it had been twenty years since because this says he finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house. Right. I don't know if nine one to nine was prior to that or was at the same time. Like the first nine verses may have happened before verse 10 summarizes, so we don't know how many years it had been. But it may be that there was that, you know, at the end of 20 years. years Then it goes on to describe everything that happened at the end of 20 years. And you do have, maybe we should look at verse 1 came about when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house. So if that, that may indicate at the end of the 20. So it may have been a while since he appeared here. Alright, 10 to 14. came about at the end of 20 years in which Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house. Hiram, king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress, uh, timber and gold according to his desire. Then King Solomon gave Hiram twenty cities in the land of Galilee. So Hiram came out from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, and they did not please him. And he said, What are these cities which you have given me, my brother? So they were called the land of Kabul to this day. And Hiram sent to the king a hundred and twenty talents of gold. Well, you've got this uh, agreement where Hiram was providing you know, lumber for Solomon, and Solomon was giving, uh, you know, p- payment gold to uh, Hiram, but there wasn't enough. And what else did Solomon give Hiram? 20 cities. And um, how was that? Yeah. You know, he thought, pretty lousy payment, he didn't like those cities. What do you think about Solomon doing that? 
kind of weird that he's giving away the promised land. Absolutely. I think so. You know, he runs up more debt than he can pay in foodstuffs and other things that he was going to give him. So he starts giving away some Israelite cities, towns. You know, kind of like, sort of like Joshua conquered, Solomon gave away, you know. Uh, remember the various times that they were told not to move the boundary stones, not to mess with the ancient boundaries? I can't imagine the Lord's very happy with this, you know, giving away some parts of the promised land. And uh, Hiram wasn't either, uh, since he said, you know, he didn't get his money's worth. <laughs> you know, what are these cities to which you've given me, my brother? He calls them the land of Kabul, which means, uh, you know, nothing, good as nothing. Were they close to Tyre? I assume they were that on, on that side of the land. Because it wouldn't be very convenient if they were like... <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Judah. What do you do with the city? <laughs> Tax it. Well, we gave away the land. They're giving away. <laughs> so you're not bringing yeah. foreigners in. No. In their midst. I mean, yeah, he's in. He's inviting foreigners into the land, but he's not calling it their. I think the worst thing, though, is that he's giving away, you know, some of the land. You know, instead of conquering more territory for the Lord. He's ceding some of it to Hiram. Is this all it's said about this? You know, I think Chronicles says something too. So like, not all ruin their relationship? Uh, no, because Hiram needs Solomon. He's not a dunce. And who's giving who the gold? Yeah, why does, in the, yeah, why does Hiram send Solomon? I guess actually Hiram was giving him cedar, cypress, and gold. And Solomon's agreement had been to give you know, like crops, food stuff to hire. I think that was the word. Second Chronicles 8, 2, or 8. Now it came about at the end of the 20 years in which Solomon had built the house of the Lord in his own house, that he built the cities which Huram had given to him and settled the sons of Israel there. Then Solomon went to Hamath Zobah and captured it. He built Tadmor in the wilderness and all the storage cities which he had built in Hamath he also built Upper Beth Horon and Lower Beth Horon, fortified cities with walls, gates, and bars, and etc. And the note that sent me there said, evidently Solomon later regained possession of the region. Okay. So. Why in verse 14 is he paying him for something he didn't want as payment? Because there's Hiram giving more money to the king. So where are you here? Verse 14, I'm checking that. And Hiram sent to the king 120 talents of gold. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure. Um, maybe maybe that should have been had sent. Yeah, is that summarizing what Yeah, I think so. I think that's what he given him. And he just gets a bunch of worthless cities in exchange. Other thoughts and comments? So, uh, Solomon doesn't own Tyre. No, no. Tyre is an independent nation. Well, but it's kind of in the way. You know. What do you mean? It's Isn't in the it way? like where, don't they, doesn't Israel go up towards there? 
Yeah, I have another. It's a, it's a coastal city. It's not the answer. All right. Other thoughts? All right, 20 or 15 to 25. Now this is the account of the forced labor which King Solomon levied to build the house of the Lord, his own house, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. For Pharaoh king of Egypt had gone up and captured Gezer and burned it with fire, and killed the Canaanites who lived in the city, and had given it as a dowry to his daughter Solomon's wife. So Solomon rebuilt Gezer in the lower Beth Horon, and Baalath and Tamar in the wilderness in the land of Judah. And all the stored cities which Solomon had, even the cities for his chariots and the cities for his horsemen, and all that it pleased Solomon to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and all, all the land under his rule. As for all the people who were left of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, who were not of the sons of Israel, their descendants who were left after them in the land, whom the sons of Israel were unable to destroy utterly, from them Solomon levied forced laborers even to this day. But Solomon did not make slaves of the sons of Israel, for they were men of war, his servants, his princes, his captains, his chariot commanders, and his horsemen. How far? Uh, 25. These were the chief officers who were over Solomon's work, 550 who ruled over the people doing the work. As soon as Pharaoh's daughter came up from the city of David to her house, which Solomon had built for her, then he built the millow. Now three times in a year Solomon offered burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar which he built to the Lord, burning incense with them on the altar which was before the Lord. So he finished the house. Okay. Well, what do you see Solomon doing here? He married a foreign wife. Yes, who was that? The daughter of Pharaoh. She was seemed to be a really special one for him. She gets a house to herself. Yeah, what else do you see him doing? It's a dowry of a burnt up city with dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Strange dowries that they give. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, and I mean, uh, what's, what's Solomon doing in verse 15? Forced labor. Yeah. To build everything. Yeah. Forced labor to build everything. And what's he building, verse 19? Cities for chariots and horses. Storage cities. And who is he married to? Pharaoh's daughter. Who does he remind you of? Joseph. Um, yeah. Okay, maybe in some ways. I'm thinking of like... Pharaoh? The, yeah, Pharaoh. You know, in charge of forced labor, building uh, storage cities, married to Pharaoh's daughter. He's almost becoming a Pharaoh-esque character in some ways, which is disturbing. Um, he really does whatever he wants, you know. Uh, he does whatever pleases him in verse 19. And... Uh, you know, Israelites could serve him temporarily, but the foreigners could become permanent slaves to him. Uh, so this is, you know, there are a lot of things about what Solomon does here that don't seem totally like they ought to be. Comments and questions? Like they weren't supposed to get more horses, right? That's correct. They're supposed to multiply horses. Right. <laughs> Yeah, is in verse 15 he builds the house of the Lord his own house the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem Hazar, Medigo and Gezer and 
rebuilds another. So is is fortifying the city a bad thing, do you think? It's a defensive measure. I don't know that it's terrible in and of itself, but he should have been more concerned about seeking the Lord. It's interesting that even the king of Egypt's not getting rid of his own cities like Solomon just did, but he's going and getting others to give like Solomon could have done. <laughs> like Samson did when he had to go get some changes of clothes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Takes it from their own people. Yes. Other thoughts? Should we be disturbed by the fact that there was slavery? Well, that's not what they were supposed to do with the foreigners. You know, this has been a convenient alternative to wiping them out. This is true. They were the ones that were not in the land. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I mean... They were supposed to get rid of everybody in the land, but then those that were far away, it says they could... What didn't it say they could make forced labor out of them? Yes. These people were in the land. Right, 2021. Yeah. Right. right, right, okay. Yes, right. So as far as the slavery question, mm -hmm. they were told to. Oh, uh, yeah. Told that they could do that. With the people in the land? With the people with far the away. People people far, away. far away. <laughs> but they do, are doing it with people in the land, right? Right. No, but we're talking about slavery in general. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 it was slavery an issue? And, and er, in every yeah. sense. No, it wasn't. There were times when they could have slaves. Okay. That's right. great. Yeah, that's great. Um, should verse 25 be a good thing? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Like we're just noticing lots of bad things. Like, is this significant? I, I think we're noticing a few good things along with some bad things. Okay. Yeah. And what three times a year is that feasts? Yeah, I think that would probably be Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacle. So why, why is the king offering the sacrifice here when Saul got in big trouble for doing that? <clears throat> well, I don't have the same view everybody else does of that. <laughs> I don't think either Solomon or Saul were offering the sacrifice with like their own hands. I think it's like, you know, President Obama said today, and hear his voice at all, it was his press secretary. So I think the problem with Saul was not, oh, Saul himself offered the sacrifice, but he was told to wait for Samuel before the sacrifices were offered. I assume he offered it through the priests, but that he didn't wait for Samuel. And so I don't think Solomon here is offering the sacrifices himself. He's having them offered. Just like in the last chapter, Solomon probably didn't himself offer 22,000 oxen. <laughs> he didn't do this. Yeah. He didn't kill 22,000 oxen yeah. and 120,000 sheep. Thanks. 119,878. <laughs> 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 Just putting somebody in charge of counting. <laughs> <laughs> really? That would do quite a job. About rounding them all up? Yeah. Um, is it a problem? Is the horse flavor in verse 15. Is that um, foreigners too? Yeah, I assume so, at least if they were permanent forced labor. Oh, 
Um, because they were building the house of the Lord, and like whenever they came back from captivity, um, they did not want anyone else building with them. Yeah. I don't know if that's so much the question, but it's still this idea, you know, in some of these cases that they didn't have any right to have these people this close of contact with them, even as forced laborers. All right, 26 to 28. Solomon also built a fleet of ships in Ezion Eber, which is near Elop on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent his servants with the fleet, sailors who knew the sea, along with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and took 420 talents of gold from there and brought it to King Solomon. Okay. Solomon is seeking access to like the Red Sea, the Indian Ocean, and so he builds a fleet of ships in Ezion Geber, uh, down there by the Red Sea, and uh, you know, he's got Hiram providing the uh, personnel, you know, Hiram's people know shipping, they know sailing, they know all that, and so it's kind of a good, you know, Solomon gives gives them access to the Red Sea, Hiram provides the, the sailors, and they go to Ophir and get gold. There's several references in the Bible to the gold of Ophir. Evidently, Ophir had really, really good quality gold. So if you want best in gold, get the gold of Ophir. I notice uh, Isaiah 13, 12, Psalm 45, 9, and Job 28, 16. So they, they find a way to get to where it's the best. Other comments? I didn't think this is where the reference was the easy one. There's more than one. There's several. Where the ships were broken in. What's Joseph got? Yeah. There's several. There's more. There's more easy on Gebers. <laughs> That's the name of a pirate. You've got, um, how about 1 Kings 2248? Is that where the ships are broken up? Joseph had made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they did not go for the for ships were broken in easy on Gebers. <laughs> yeah, it only worked for Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he must have the, the servants of Hiram. <laughs> I guess, because they were sailors and knew the sea. <laughs> so Jehoshaphat sent his own men and crashed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wonder how many years later was that? Oh, uh, well, let's see. What reference should that? Jehoshaphat would have been... Oh, about uh, 80 years later, 70, 90. What's Joseph's date? 870. 870. And this is around? Well, the temple was rebuilt in about 966. 25, 100 years. And this says 948. 80 years. I have read a bit. So 948 is when it says at the end of 20 years. Okay. So. And they're still getting gold from Ophir's going to run out of gold. I wonder if they're still getting it today. Let's go find it. Right. <laughs> right. Let's anybody anybody uh, got a, a voyage plan for Ophir? What did Ophir have to say about them coming? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anything from the Ophirines. Do we know where Ophir was? I don't. 
so bright. There's a map in this Bible <laughs> that says that Ophir was basically at the bottom of the Red Sea. Um, <laughs> that deep, huh? The bottom. At the bottom. <laughs> it's at the bottom. Of the, it's way down here. Oh, at the end of the Red Sea. At the end of the Red Sea before it opens out into the Indian Ocean. So, hmm. near Sheba, south of Mecca. So, south of Khartoum, near the Gulf of Aden. That helps anybody. Khartoum is in Sudan. Yeah. How did you know that? I wasn't born yesterday. Day before. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know, with one dad under my belt, I learned a lot. Downloading all, all the geography helped. Good. All right, chapter 10, verses 1 to 13. Now, when the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon, 